Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is up dmv hoops fans i've got a great one here for you today i've got mount st mary's head coach dan engelstad dan thanks for coming on i'm really excited to do this i've been following your coaching career and uh hear a lot of nice things from you from other people in the coaching community so i'm glad we could uh get this together yeah no man thanks for having me on and like i told you beforehand fan of your work and you know this is uh anytime we're talking dmv hoops and get a chance to get on and talk about our program i, I really do appreciate you know the time and and helping get us out there a little bit I think the DMV is such a great basketball area in general, and there's so many more teams and stories and things like that than people realize. So if we can use this as a way to kind of help spread the word a little bit, that's that's the hope. So we got some good stuff uh, on our list to talk about here today. But before we get to that, I just want to get our ads out of the way here. We're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, Hard Half and Halves, Hard Peach Teas. Uh, you really can't go wrong with any of the flavors. Also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for all your baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, all the good stuff. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Available to play right from your phone. Head to the website and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's hit the fun stuff. Uh, Dan, just want to talk a little bit about kind of how you got your the coaching head start. Uh, you played at St. Mary's College in Maryland. Your team captain there, a point guard. I believe you are the school's all-time leader in assists, which is awesome. What is it about point guards that just make such natural good coaches? Well, I think you get the ball in your hands, and you've got to you got to learn how to to lead and get guys better. And and that position is is so important. And I was uh, very fortunate to have some. Um, you know, really good coaches that were able to teach me, you know, yeah. what it is to get guys around you better. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate to to have great teammates and, and as well as, you know, be in this position now as head coach of Mount St. Mary's where um, I've been around some some really good point guards here and tried to help them in their in their journey. That's awesome. Um, I guess, was there a specific thing that you learned from your college coach that you've taken with you or now, I know sometimes things you learn not to do or that doesn't fit your style that that's kind of stayed with you, you know, since then. So our, our coach at St. Mary's College, he um, was a had a background at Tulane and Miami. This was the guy that recruited me. And then I got to play for Chris Harney, who's still there right now um, and learned a lot from him as well. But the biggest thing was that defensive focus and mindset. I mean, that was what we did. Um, we weren't going to win scoring in the hundreds. We were going to win by, you know, getting stops. And, um, you know, he was relentless in that approach and just learned a lot from that. And, you know, we, we bought in and, um, you know, one of my college teammates is coaching um, at Loyola right now. He was with me for five years and was a head, very successful head of high school coach. And it was just that that defensive mentality, getting stops and, and knowing that that's going to show up in the big moments and in the big times. And, you know, that's something that I've carried with me, um, you know, everywhere that I've been. Was there something in your experience playing that made you want to get into coaching? I guess what led you, you know, into this profession? You hear a lot of guys that maybe start out doing other things, but it seems like you kind of jumped right into coaching uh, after playing. I, I guess what led you down that road? 
Yeah, so I was, uh, I loved playing and I was, um, you wanted to pursue that as, as far as I could. Uh, you know, I was a very marginal player, but got a chance to go to St. Mary's and, and run the point guard up there, but knew the air was going to run out of the ball. And during my playing days in college, um, I, I was a player at Walt Whitman High School and I loved that experience. Yeah. Um, one of my good friends was my summer league coach. Um, so the coach asked me to coach the summer league teams. And I, and mm. so I was doing that while I was playing and loved that. And everything that I was learning from my college coach, I was trying to instill it in them. Um, and uh, I fell in love with it. And that team was um, a really special unit. Um, got spoiled a little bit early in my coaching career. Um, actually, the, it's a small world story. The head women's basketball coach here, Antoine White, was the point guard for that women oh, cool. team that ended up winning a state championship. Um, which hadn't been done in Whitman history. And I, you know, I was part of that. I was behind the bench as the summer league coach and just got the itch, fell in love with seeing these guys play hard and, and work hard. So I was, I was coaching, I was running camps at Whitman um, and just fell in love with, you know, everything that that had to offer. And, um, you know, didn't know what my path was going to be. I actually got an internship with the Wizards and, and did a month with Ernie, in Ernie Grunfeld's office. Um, so, I, you know, I was running camps and, you know, that was pretty lucrative for a uh, 22 year old. And, you know, was thinking about maybe going on the business side of things. But I got an, an amazing opportunity here at the Mount. I was, uh, you know, 22 years of age and <clears throat> got a chance to, to interview for the third assistant spot. And, um, you know, I, the mentor that I had, Milan Brown, was an unbelievable coach. But the reason why I was able to get it is it was a third assistant spot, but it was grad assistant pay. There so I could afford the the $5,000 stipend that I made. And, sure. you know, I, I ran into the VP the other day who ended up signing that contract. And he talked about how they grossly overpaid me for that first couple of years here at the Mount. But that's you know, right. it was it was just was a, a, an amazing early start to my career. I got fortunate, you know, a, a, that opportunity opened up. I fell in love with coaching with that high school team. And then first year here at the Mount as an assistant, um, we had some amazing players, uh, one of which was my associate head coach right now, Will Holland. And we went to the NCAA tournament that year and played Carolina. And I was just, I was hooked, man. It was so much fun. It was a, you know, a childhood dream. And, um, you know, I said, let's let's do everything we can to, to pursue this. And, you know, I've been very blessed and fortunate to be in the spot I am, and it's because of that early that early start and that that passion that I that I had early in, into coaching. Uh, what year would that Mount or that Walt Whitman summer league team have been? Because I, I went to Arundel High School in Anne Arundel County. We uh, I graduated in two thousand six, and I think we played uh, Whitman that year. Yeah, so it was that it was that time. Okay. So that, like that was the the years that that we they made the run. I I graduated in three, um, mm -hmm. so I summer league coach from like the the JV I think it was in 03 and then they they had me do the varsity from 04 to 07 so yeah we I, we were I was it was in that window that's cool very cool um I'm glad you talked about there just sort of the the pay starting out here I think people see the J Wright Armani suits on TV and things like that but coaching you really have to pay your dues and it's a grind I think for a lot of guys early on and you know, you're, you're renting a room out of somebody's house and stuff like that, you know, just, just to be able to make it work because it's, it's gotta be a labor of love, I would think. And, uh, I'm glad you touched on that. Anything else you'd like to add about kind of that early experience and, and just have to, you know, you have to be really committed, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah, you really can't get in it for the pay, right? You, you have to love it. You have to, um, be excited about getting up every day. And like, for me, you know, I was just trying to make ends meet and find different ways to, to do it during that time. Was fortunate to have a uh, very uh, supportive family that told me to go chase this mm -hmm. with everything I had. And and so, you know, I was able to 
um, get help from them, but it's, it, it, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, we had to get very, you know, we had to get a lot of luck on this path as well. And, you know, we, we ended up going to the tournament and then ended up making it a full-time position. And then we were able to, you know, our, our boss went to Holy Cross and brought me with him and then, um, you know, ended up becoming a division three head coach. And, you know, it, it, that was not for the money either. I can tell you that it was, and, and I've had so much fun, um, during that experience, just coaching and the, how, um, the relationships and the, and the young men that we were able to bring, um, to that community. So, you know, I, I if, if you're, if you're doing it for the money, uh, you picked the wrong profession. I mean, you're going to have to really, um, earn it as well as, you know, you got to get lucky along the way as well. I always think that, and obviously as someone who has not coached at the level of you, you know, you're coaching, I, I, it's nice to kind of hear that because you got to recruit the right guys. They got to pan out. You got to get the right draws. Sometimes guys have to stay healthy. Like so much of this can swing somebody's career, I would imagine. And I think a lot of it's probably just when opportunities open up at the right time. And, you know, do you have an in to be able to even get the interview with some of these jobs? I, I would imagine that there's, um, you know, some of this is, is luck factor. I mean, obviously you're really good at your job and, and you work hard and, and that has a lot to do with it. But um, it just seems from the outside looking in that this is one of those things where like, you just need a couple breaks along the way, at least. Yeah, you definitely do. And it's, you know, it's all about connections and relationships. And, um, and then, like you said, when you get your opportunity is taking advantage of those opportunities. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate. I understand how, how fortunate I am to be in this seat and blessed to be the head coach of Mount St. Mary's. You know, these are, really hard jobs to get. And, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm thankful to be here and, and we're going to work really hard so we can continue to be here. That's awesome. Uh, you mentioned the stint as assistant coach at Holy Cross. I think they kind of labeled you the defensive coordinator. You mentioned kind of uh, playing under a defensive minded college coach. Is that where, you know, you really like to hang your hat with your teams? Is, is that kind of mindset? Is that stayed with you throughout your, your stops along the way? Yeah, you know, it's kind of been the identity and it's been in different ways too. Um, you know, it, we were, um, when I started Southern Vermont, we really bought into the, uh, full court pressure mm -hmm. defense was our focus, but we were going to turn you over and it was, um, and, and we changed a little bit since we've been at the Mount, you know, we've become one of the better half court defensive teams and a little bit more of a pack line. Um, so I've had to kind of adjust, um, but it's with that focus, so, you know, I, I'm, you know, I like to say, and I got this from my mentor, Milan Brown, you know, defense travels. And like, if you're going to win the league, if you're going to go on the road and win tough games, like you're going to have to be able to come up with big stops and big moments. So for us, we really, we harp on that. We, we, we really try to get that as the DNA of our program. And, um, you know, been fortunate enough to work with some really good coaches here. Um, like Matt Miller was our defensive coordinator, uh, a brilliant basketball mind. And, um, you know, I have really good coaches right now that, that, you know, help teach, um, you know, the details that, that, that you need to win, but yeah, it's at the forefront of what we do. Um, you know, coach Holland does our offense. I'm really working on the defense right now. And, um, you know, we really try to be go good on both ends, but, uh, you know, we, we, we want that, that focus to be about getting stops. You mentioned kind of adjusting from place to place a little bit. Is that style of play within the league? Is that personnel? Is that just trends of basketball have changed over time? I'm always so interested on how coaches kind of tweak their, their philosophy, even from like year to year sometimes. Yeah. Well, it started at personnel, right. You know, I, I it was when, when I got the job uh, here at the Mount, we were the youngest team in America. We, we returned one point per game. Um, and we had a schedule that we were looking down the pike at NC state and um, you know, Kentucky's of the world. And, you know, you, you so you, you've got to prepare your team to, 
um, you know, have success. And, and in our conference, you know, we, we really felt that we were big, like we had some really, um, you know, some good size, especially on the perimeter at the three spot, the four spot, five spots. So we really made an emphasis of, hey, this is how this group's going to win and be successful. We're going to we're going to get stops in the half court. We're going to really pack it in. Uh, we're going to rebound the heck out of the basketball. And this is going to be this team's recipe for success. So you you kind of morph it each season. You know, this is a very athletic, fast team. So, you know, we want to get up and down a little bit more with this mm-hmm. group. Um, but you know, you still have the, um, you know, the main thing be the main thing. And for us, that's like our transition defense, our rebounding, um, you know, and how we ball pressure. And those are things that will never change. Obviously things like the transfer portal have come, uh, into play here in the last couple of years. I would imagine there's a lot more player turnover in college basketball overall because of it. Does that change what you can teach or the things you can focus on? I I would imagine certain, especially defensive, like principles and things like that probably take years for guys to really master. So do you have to scale back at all some of the things you can do or work on? Because, you know, maybe you only have a year or two with some of these guys. Yeah, man, that's a great question. And, and you know, the transfer portal has changed how this works. We're in a really unique position this year where we do return a lot of seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the era of college basketball, when everyone's running out the door, we've been fortunate to keep a really good core. Um, and that helps a lot. Um, but, you know, to your question, you've got to start over every year. You know, and that's like what college basketball is right now. You've got to start and, you know, you got to start from the very, very basics and you can't skip steps. And we've got a really talented young group that's here right now on top of those returners. And you've got to, you know, they've got to learn the basics. And, you know, the fun part was in coaching and you still can get it. And we talked about our guys returning, but seeing it through completion and seeing them kind of grow and develop. And now you've got to put yourself in a position to try to, um, you know, have them grow up in dog years. You know, they got to, they got to learn this stuff fast. So you got a lot to teach, but you also can't advance too fast without them getting the basics down. Um, so it's a lot of early teaching and, you know, it's, you're dependent a lot on, you know, your veteran leadership and we're fortunate to have that this year. Spent five seasons before Mount St. Mary's, uh, as the head coach at Southern Vermont college in Bennington, Vermont. I guess you, I mean, the assistant coaching, you know, track record you had there, you probably had multiple opportunities, I would imagine, to jump into head coaching. What was it about Southern Vermont and, and why the five years? Like, I, I guess, walk me through kind of that part of the experience. So it's actually, these jobs are hard to get. I mean, whether it be Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, it's so competitive. There are so many good coaches out here. Um, the, the, the reality and the truth is how I got that position was my neighbor, was on the board of trustees at Southern Vermont. I didn't know the school existed. Um, sure. Bethesda, Maryland, you know, I, this guy that I used to golf with was, uh, was, you know, one of the top alumni there and asked if I had interest in being the coach. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to call a timeout and this gym, mm-hmm. we had 300 people that sat in this gym, but you know, that box was, was a place that I knew we could get rocking and it could be a lot of fun. And I just, I wanted to call some timeouts. I wanted to screw it up. I wanted to learn. I wanted to to be a head coach. And that was my driving ambition. And I didn't care where it was. And, you know, I was uh, 29 at the time and single at the time. And I was just, I was anxious. And I was going to make that the best opportunity that I could make it. And I had so much fun. I mean, it was uh, some of the best five years of my professional experience. I was able to recruit 12 young men from the DMV up to Southern Vermont. And just created some magic. And it wasn't easy. It was heads ups and downs. But you know, it was highlighted, you know, there's an NBA player that lost his first game to Southern Vermont, and that's Duncan Robinson at Williams. And that's a, a fun And fact. Williams is a powerhouse, too. I mean, that's a good team. 
and they were number one in the country going into the game. We were 410th. And if we played them, you know, a hundred times, we'd probably lose 99. But on that special night, our guys, they didn't have a scout on any of them. You know, Antoine was my point guard from the one that I talked to you about. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we, those guys just had this belief in them and, and we ended up, you know, pulling a big time upset to start, um, our career there at Southern Vermont and ended up going to the tournament a few times and, um, you know, just had such a great experience. And, you know, that's where I met my wife and, you know, had our first daughter and, you know, that place is still home. And although the school doesn't exist anymore, um, you know, we, we have a lot of great friends and family from there and just, uh, look very fondly back at that experience. And that helped me prepare my, um, you know, myself for, for this spot. I think you're maybe slightly underselling the job that you guys did there, rebuilding that program. You took over a one in 24 team. Uh, and then the next five years, you guys were incredibly successful. I, I mean, I think well over 20 wins on, on most of these years um, after you got things rolling. You said you started si uh, 16 and 10 the first year, but then made, you know, deep playoff runs uh, while you were there. I guess, how did you go about doing that? Like you almost have to start from scratch when you're taking over a situation like that. Is it just about, bringing in the right kind of guys that, that fit the style of play. Like how, how do you go about a total kind of, you know, start over, I guess. Well, I guess that was the thing that was, I was fortunate to be the like lead recruiter at Holy Cross because I was on the road constantly. So I had all these connections, players and seeing guys that we couldn't get into Holy Cross. And so I had a chance to bring in some really talented players early. And then it was like, let's dive in to get the character that we need and mm -hmm. getting a guy like Antoine and, you know, that, I don't know if he's listening, but Delapo and, you know, Deshaun, we were able to get these guys that were able to kind of lead the culture and, and build it from the locker room um, out. And we just, it, it just, it clicked. We got some really talented guys. They bought in. Um, like I said, it wasn't without its ups and downs, but it was, um, it was a really, really fun run. And, um, you know, I'm we, we had a game here last year where we played St. Peter's for homecoming and they all surprised me. And like 15 of our guys showed up to That's the game. Cool. Like, I shared to our group before the game how much that meant to me and what this is supposed to be about. And it was those relationships and we were able to build some really great ones there. And, and um, you know, it was a, it was a fun run. Um, but, you know, now we're trying to, to build it here at the Mount and uh, working really hard to, you know, be a consistent contender here and, 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 and excited to, you know, build this up to the, in the Mac where we can have that similar success. I would imagine seeing that that bond that your players had from uh, Southern Vermont was cool for your your current guys, and, and maybe that factors into their you know decision making when they think about you know other opportunities and stuff like that. Like being able to have this kind of long standing relationship and and a group, I, I think that's something that maybe gets undervalued with uh, a lot of college athletes potentially now as they kind of think about short term, but but long term having that connection to a group and and these um, relationships, it's sort of a non trivial thing and. Uh, I hope that that was cool for them to get to see that, that, you know, yeah. that exists. Yeah. We try not to make it transactional. I mean, that's this, you know, it's, there's a lot in this business that is tough right now and we try to make it about relationships and, you know, I'm, I'm very, like I said, I'm very thankful that guys like Dakota LaFew and Josh and JD, that they wanted to come back and be part of this and see this through and, and get through completion and graduation and because that's the fun stuff and um you know that's when you can 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 take that those steps as a program and it's not easy and you know i've learned also too that this is not personal and you know you, you support these young people and in, in their endeavors but it is uh it is fun when the group can stick together and you know when you have those lifelong memories you went 104 and 34 in five years at southern vermont that's an awesome record I guess, walk me through that transition, how the Mount St. Mary's job came about. Obviously, you had ties and connections at, at the school uh, from from working there as an assistant coach. But 
you know, does the AD call you as the president of the school? Like, how does that, um, that process go, I guess? Yeah. So the job opened up, uh, Jamie and Christian was the head coach here and had, um, great success was the most successful division one head coach here and did an outstanding job. And, um, you know, I, I would stay in touch. I mean, in this profession, you got to keep the relationships going, not just with, uh, you know, the players, but the administration. And there's some great people here at Mount St. Mary's and stayed in touch with them over the years and, um, had interviewed for a few other jobs, uh, during my time. And then the Mount, opened up and you know that for me i've told everybody that was a dream opportunity for myself you know a place that it gave me my shot as a coach a place that meant a lot to me um from a university standpoint but also the area you know i grew up in the dc area and knew mount st mary's basketball um from a camper you know i was here as a as a camper for morgan wooten's camp and you know anybody that grew up kind of in our time knows about morgan wooten basketball camp and i'm not sure if you've attended but there you know it was a it was a big deal and and um you know, to, to, to have that opportunity, you know, I went after it with everything I had to, to you know, interview and uh, met with the president of the university, met with the AD and, um, you know, they moved fast and, um, you know, I was very fortunate to, to, to get in this seat. And, um, you know, it's uh, it was my dream opportunity. It hasn't necessarily been a dream the whole time. These last five years, we've had our fair share of lumps and had to build it. But we, you know, we've we've been able to win a championship here and um, we just switched conferences last year to the MAC and, you know, excited to you know, keep striving to, you know, achieve our goals, which is go to the NCAA tournament and win games. And um, we're working really hard to do that. That's awesome. Uh, I guess, how do you get to learn and develop yourself as a coach during this process? Like uh, your schedule is pretty packed and things like that. I understand you're, when you're not coaching, you're recruiting and, and you're working with the guys and you almost kind of have to like constantly stay in connection with these guys, I'm sure, and, and keep those relationships growing is the only way to grow and learn as a coach by doing, or do you get opportunities to, to pick other coaches brains? Is there still coaching clinics that you can go to and things like that? I guess what's, what's that like for you trying to continue to grow as a coach? Yeah, there's so many different ways that you're learning on this job. I mean, you, you do have um, a lot of great resources here as a, as a head coach, you can call other coaches and talk to them. And I'm very fortunate to have um, some really, um, you know, accomplished coaches that I can lean on and, uh, mentors that I've had in the past, but also that, you know, I've forged some really great relationships. So you have those people to lean on, um, you know, in this position as a division one head coach, you know, it's a CEO position. You've got to mm -hmm. really learn management. You've got to be able to manage your staff. And that's something that was new to me taking over in this seat is just being much more organized um, in that regard. And, you know, it's something that I've worked really hard on. And I have a, you know, an executive coach. He happens to be my uh, uncle. He's the top doctor at the Mayo Clinic and actually wrote the book on uh, Dr. Burnout. So just trying to learn different leadership tactics and skills and different things that can help, um, you know, running a, running a company. And, um, you know, so I've been very fortunate to have, you know, really good people to lean on. And, you know, you're learning every day with from your players, too. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the game has changed, but you've got to talk to them and learn from them and um, try to give them ownership in the program as well. And, um, you know, so you, you, do I still love to watch the, the DVDs aren't DVDs anymore. you got to go online and find the links and, you know, still try to, to learn basketball as much as I can. I learned from my staff. I got a brilliant you know, basketball staff that, it, you know, I get to learn a lot from them from the X's and O's standpoint, you know, cause there's a lot of big picture stuff that you have to do in this seat. Like coach Holland does our uh, offense, you know, and coach Holland was our associate head coach. Uh, coach Burrell does our special, special teams out of bounds and coach Freeman does our personnel. So it's like learning from them and learning, 
you know, the, the intricacies of, um, you know, each side of the basketball, what's happening, the trends that are going on, the analytics that are happening in the game. So there's just so much that you can learn from this game and in this seat. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be about people. And that's the thing that, you know, you got to understand and, um, you know, try to manage them as best as you can. When you're trying to build out a staff, just kind of taking on that a little bit more, are you focusing on guys that do things differently than you or come from different backgrounds to kind of complement what you do? Or does there have to be like enough, you know, shared overlap on the Venn diagram of like, we all kind of believe in these couple things at least so that it, that it makes sense. Cause you want guys at least coaching your way to some extent. So, so what's that? Um, what are the things you look for, I guess, when, when you're adding assistant coach? Yeah, no, it, it, I mean, it really depends on what you need from that spot. You know, there's, you know, you have your roles and responsibilities that are kind of laid out for each of your staff members and you want to fit it to that with at the same time, like the the core of what you're building is intact. You know, you want guys that have high energy that are gonna coach the game and teach the game and 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 really create a great environment, but um you they can't be all like you. And you know, I, I do like uh, you know, making sure that our staff is well rounded, that they um, you know, I feel like they have a place where they can learn and grow here, but also where they can teach. And, you know, all these guys are, they're coaching basketball. So you want different ideas and guys that are not afraid to share those ideas and, um, you know, have the skill and talent to, to do that. And, um, you know, but it is specific to each, um, you know, each job that opens up. Cause I do have staff that overlooks certain parts of the basketball. So guys that have expertise in that, um, is, is really important. And, like for me, I'm coaching the defense right now and, you know, making sure that we have somebody that is really in tune with how the offense functions and organizes. And like I said, Coach Holland does a great job with that. And um, but if, um, you know, if, if it also needs, you know, guys that are can connect with our players and, sure. and build those relationships out. So it's uh, it's a, it's kind of you looking for that perfect blend of a team that can um, have different strengths and come together and, and create one strong unit. It's got to be a lot to juggle uh, going through interview processes and stuff like that, trying to figure out who checks enough of those right boxes and, and things like that. Uh, you guys made the NCAA tournament during the 2020-21 season. That's got to be just the coolest thing to do, you know, for the first time, I guess. Walk me through that experience and, and what that was like for you guys and the team and uh, what's it feel like to be, you know, out there in kind of an opening round game. Yeah, no, it was a childhood dream, you know, to lead a program into the NCAA tournament. Um, it was a wild season, you know, it was the COVID season. So it was, there was a lots of ups and downs that were, you know, from the, where we were in the, in the country at that point, there were, um, there were pauses, there were stops, there were, we had guys leave the team, a fear of COVID and just trying to manage through all of that. And at the end of the, the tunnel, there was this uh, amazing reward of going to the dance and going to Indiana and, um, being part of the being part of the NCAA's. I mean, it was different than it normally is because I've been part of it as an assistant coach, where you have all the media and the hoopla, and and here you're like confined to your room and you yeah. guys have faces. Um, but it was still, um, you know, such a, a wonderful feeling to see your team cut down nets and you know have that that feeling of um, you know getting to the end and 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 getting there and um, something that we're you know aspiring to get back to and. We were close the next year, lost in the semis on a tough, uh, you know, last second play. And, um, you know, then we transitioned last year to the Mac, but just, you know, our focus was in getting back to that tournament. And cause it is, it's so much fun. Um, you know, it's, but you can't skip steps and you got to just have it be about the process and, you know, things got to break at the right time, but, um, you know, we're excited to, to have that opportunity and, and now in the Mac conference and you know, hopefully get off that playing game. You know, we, we, we want to, we want to stay the weekend. We want to win. Yep. 
St. Peter's did it a couple of years ago, went to lead at eight and Iona probably gave UConn their best game last year. So it's a, it's a great conference with great basketball. And, and, you know, we want to, we want to, we want to stay the weekend when we get back. There you go. I want that for you guys too. That'd be super cool to get the full uh, non bubble year experience at the very least. Uh, so much about college basketball right now is, is getting old and staying old. You hear that from pretty much everybody. You guys have an older team coming back. What can basketball fans in the area expect from your team? And, you know, what should we be looking for from, from you guys this season? Yeah, I'm having so much fun coaching these guys. And I really hope for this group that it translates. These guys, they, they bring it every single day. We have depth, um, you know, that we, you know, knock on wood, we're able to stay healthy. Um, you know, I thought we had a good team last year at the end. We won five of our last six coming into the conference tournament. Um, so we, we have a little bit of momentum, but we've got veteran guards that can play. You know, you got a Dakota LaFue, who's, you know, one of the most accomplished guards in this conference coming back. You got, you know, Josh Reeves, Xavier Lipscomb, you got George Tinsley. So, you know, our, our fans are going to be familiar with these guys, but they're veteran players. They know how to play. Um, we have a really exciting front court that, you know, has a window here to be here for a couple of years that have now um, grown and developed and um, been part of our program. And um, you're going to see, you know, and, and hopefully you're going to see a connected group, a team that gets after it defensively, a team that um, is capable of making and shooting a lot of threes. Um, we want to get up and score easy baskets, but if not, we need to execute, you know, or mm. we're a team that prides ourselves on execution on both ends. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to uh, hopefully be sharp with our execution and, and make some shots. And, um, you know, our, our, in the DMV, I know that we got a lot of people on, you know, we play at Maryland, we play at Georgetown, but we also play at Loyola this year. We also play at American and it's a great chance to watch, you know, some, some local division one basketball. And, and we've got some DMV guys on our roster, but we also got guys from all over the world. You know, we got guys from the Netherlands, the Czech Republic. Um, but we're really excited about the brand that these guys are capable of playing and, we got to get a lot better. We're not there yet. You know, we had some film sessions this morning and our guys see that we got, we got a lot of room for growth and, you know, but we got that growth mindset and um, you know, we're excited to, to put it out here on the court here in a, in a, in a couple months. You mentioned that Maryland game on November 7th uh, as a Maryland alum. It's probably the only time all season I won't be rooting for you guys. Uh, nothing personal there, but uh, I guess, what does that do for you to get the, um, you mentioned not the other DMB teams on the schedule there, but the Maryland's and the Georgetown's, I, I got to imagine that's, especially cool for the other DMV guys. Um, you've got like Xavier, I think is from DC and things like that. So does that help for recruiting to kind of have those kinds of games on the schedule? And and what's that like, I guess, kind of making that, that schedule happen. Yeah, we love those opportunities and it's great for us to be able to, you know, we don't have to travel across the world to go play a high caliber right. team. You know, it's a, it's an easy travel for us um, as well as, you know, I have so much respect for, you know, obviously coach Cooley and, um, you know, Coach Willard and 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 those programs. And, you know, we want to compete against the best and we want to be on that stage. And, you know, we feel like, you know, now um, with where we are with a veteran team, like we're going to have to compete against these teams if we're going to accomplish our goals and dreams. And that's to win the match and then go win games in the NCAA tournament. Do that. You have to be prepared. You have to see what that feels like. You have to be in those environments and, you know, playing Maryland in the first game, you know, I imagine with the excitement that they've built and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll uh, pack a good crowd in there as well. And the Comcast or Xfinity um, center. And, and for us, you know, we, we, we love those challenges and, you know, there's a lot that can be learned from those games. Um, but mostly like we got to be about our process and what we're doing and, you know, results are going to be what the results are, but we want to go in and compete the best that we can get better 
And, you know, we're going in there to win. That's our, that's our, that's every game, you know, that we ever play is we want to go and, and win those games, but it is great. Um, pub for the school it's great you know exposure um but we don't want to be exposed we want to come out there and and, and really put on a, a you know a good uh a good battle against some really good teams when you have an older veteran team like this is it harder to get games like that on the schedule like i would imagine certain teams don't want to play you guys because it's you know kind of a lose-lose for them right like if, if they don't win that game it's it's a tough look for them because they you know on paper they're expected to win but uh you know, like, I guess, is, does that make scheduling uh, tougher for you guys for the non-conference? Well, we only won 13 games last year, so no one was really scared of us coming into this season. Okay. Um, and that, but to answer your question, yes, when you're good and you've got a veteran team coming back, it's a lot harder to schedule. Um, you know, it's harder to get games. Um, but at the same time, you know, so these high major teams are looking at the net rankings. So sometimes mm-hmm. if you're good, they need that. And if yeah. you're not good enough, they won't play you because it doesn't help move the needle for them to, you know, they can get a win, but they're not going to, they're not going to schedule you if they don't think that, you know, it's going to help them uh, get in the NCAA tournament and help their seeding. So there's a, there's an art to this and, you know, there's a, you, you've got to kind of hit that sweet spot where you're good enough, but they're not, they don't have too much fear that you can go beat them. So, um, you know, the, we like when, we like when it's harder to schedule, it means we're pretty good. I think that's one of the cool things about some of these more analytical way to look uh, at teams and their track record. You know, you're you mentioned your record on paper last year, 13 and 20. I, I got to see you guys play a couple of times. You seemed better than a 13 and 20 team to me, but I, I think sometimes the record is not always indicative, especially for you guys. When you do schedule some of these tougher non-conference games, like it, it counts against you, you know, in the wins loss column, but you can play a good team really close and show you're a good team and maybe not get credit for it because you didn't win, but it'll show up um, in the metrics a little bit more, I guess. Yeah. It's the frustrating part of some, some seasons, right? You know, last year we were 13 and 20 and we had a much better team than that. And we had built it to, you know, be a very competitive team in the Northeast conference, had to figure out a new league. And, you know, when we were whole and healthy, you know, we were really, really, you know, a good team. We played USC really tough. Um, We had beaten St. Peter's, you know, by double figures on the road and, we kind of had this stretch where we just kept getting hurt and, but it's no excuses. You know, we, we lost a lot of close games and we all could have played and coached a little bit better. Um, and then you get to the end of the season and, you know, you, you play in good basketball down the stretch and you don't want it to end. You're like, Oh, now we're actually pretty good. Yeah. And, um, you know, your hope that it carries over to the next season, but, um, yeah, you know, it's a long season. You got to stick with the ups and downs. You've got to be able to kind of just like we talked about, be about the process because of that you're going to play tough teams. You're not always going to get the results. It might not look great on the left, right column, um, but your team's getting better and you, you ultimately you want to play really good basketball down the stretch and, put yourself in a position to make a run. And, um, you know, we, we want to have one of those special seasons and we're, and we're working hard to do that. Talked a little bit about the transfer portal. D- does that change how you guys recruit at all or the types of players you focus on? Is it less high school than it used to be? And do you look at other players at, at other collegiate levels more? I guess it's probably just added to the complexity, I guess. But how has that changed things for you guys specifically? Yeah, so for the Mount, like we've kind of gone both ways. Like when the transfer stuff wasn't as popular. Like mm-hmm. we were jumping into that more and we had some really great transfers that helped us win a lot of games. You know, we got Mezzi off from who was, you know, it's playing pro ball in France right now to transfer from George Washington. And like, he was a big impact player for us. We, we also lost some to the portal. Um, so you always got to be ready to fill it. And we filled, you know, a, a point guard a few years with another all league point guard. And so you have to be able to be flexible with it. Um, but I still like growing through high school players when we can and we brought in 
you know, a lot of guys had gone strictly portal and, and old, and we ended up kind of going the opposite last year and brought in a couple transfers, but we brought in mostly high school guys and talented ones and, you know, build them and have them learn within our program. And um, so, you know, we've tried to kind of go where everybody else wasn't going um, at certain times, but you've got to be flexible. You know, if you lose a couple of players that you don't expect, you got to be ready to get in the portal and, and, and find it, you know, it's, uh, it's what this is right now. It's, you know, there's a free agency component to it and you got to be ready and you got to always know what, you know, what's out there and what the market is. And um, we're still bringing in high school guys. And we got a young, one young man already committed for next year that we're excited about and trying to get a couple more. So still recruiting high school, still recruiting portal, looking at junior college. I mean, you're, we're just trying to find players that fit what we're building. Stuff like NIL for you guys, is that more on the individual player level, the team overall? I guess, how does that, um, you know, factor into some of these guys' decision to come to Mount St. Mary's or stay at Mount St. Mary's? Yeah, we're working on it. I mean, that's something that we have a, a new athletic director and we're working really closely on how to establish a collective and how do we, mm-hmm. um, you know, retain. And and that's part of this new uh, college basketball. So we're looking at ways to, you know, get, get them out to be able to be competitive in the NIL space. Um, we, we do have other things that we're offering right now with cost of attendance and Alston money and, um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that you've got to keep working on and, and, and figure out how to, to make it where you can, you know, hopefully keep the young men that you have in your program, because it is part of this game now. And, um, you know, as the levels rise, the money goes up and, and we've got to be prepared for that. You mentioned your schedule, a couple big names on there, a couple local names that'll be interesting for other DMV fans here, but the game I'm probably most excited for you all to play is not, uh, officially, on your schedule, I guess. It's an exhibition game. You guys are uh, participating in the Behan Strong charity exhibition game in October. I'm playing against Bucknell for that. Can you talk a little bit about what that game is and why it's so important and why I personally think uh, all DMV fans should be paying attention to these types of events? And and can you give a little more context for that? Yeah, thanks, Matt. And, you know, Pat Behan, uh, a very close friend of mine. I know the story's been, um, you know, his, his, his fight has been... Um, you know, well-documented and he is a special man and friend. And we wanted to, um, put together a game that could help in his fight and his battle. And, uh, the head coach, John Griffin, and I are friends. We talked about it. It was a no brainer. Um, Pat is, um, went to Bucknell and that mm-hmm. program means so much to him. Um, the reason why it's at Mount St. Mary's is because of the proximity to Pat. Sure. Um, we're hopeful Pat can be here. Um, on October 28th at four o'clock, um, we're trying to spread the word as much as we can, make it a really special night of basketball before the season gets going. And like I said, we play Maryland a week later, uh, but we want to get this arena packed and we want to do it um, for Pat. And, you know, all the money's going to go to him and his fight. And, you know, the, the cost for ALS is um, it's it's really unbelievable when you look at how much everything costs for the care. Sure. And, you know, we just want to be able to help um, in his fight and also um, you know, get awareness out and, um, what better way to do it. And, um, you know, I know Bucknell and Mount are going to go after each other, but we're all going to have a shared cause that night. Um, and you know, that part of the things that we can do in the area to help is like this weekend, I'll be at, uh, Pat has an event and only, um, you can look at it through be hand strong, but it's on Saturday. Um, I was there last year. It's a fun fest. Uh, they have, uh, I know they have, um, you know, they have, uh, cornhole tournament, as well as a band that's playing at night. And, um, as many people that can come and support and help donate, um, I just know it means a lot, not just to him, but the family and the, and the DC area community. Like we got to continue to rally around our guy 
And, um, you know, that's where the inspiration came to have this game. I will put the link to both uh, events in the episode description here for anybody that wants easy access to those details and, and didn't catch that as we're going through it. But I would uh, strongly encourage anybody if you can make one or both. Um, it's just, again, cool cause. ALS is such a terrible disease. If anybody did the ice bucket challenge a couple years ago, like this is an opportunity to keep that going and, and keep the research going in the right direction, but also help, um, you know, really good guy in, in Pappy Ian. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you about, I'm a big fan of the TBT. Uh, you got to coach in TBT a couple years ago. What was that experience like? Oh man. That, so I was a division three. I was in Southern Vermont at that time. So my mm -hmm. summers were kind of, you know, you talked about just learning and growing and, um, one of my close, close friends, uh, AJ Mahar, someone who I talk to all the time now was the GM and I didn't even know this tournament existed. And he asked if I wanted to coach it. And he was mentioning some of the players that we might be coaching. And like, it was Jordan yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, you know, the Indiana guys. And, you know, I had been at Holy Cross and two of our guys were pros, Malcolm Miller, who made it the NBA mm -hmm. uh, with the Raptors and Dave Dzinski. And, um, so he asked if I had interest. I said, are you kidding me? That sounds awesome. And for me, like, what a great way to learn um, from these guys that all have this wealth of sure. knowledge of basketball. So I kind of went into the approach was like, hey, I'm going to kind of put the big picture plan in place, but I'm going to create this as a collaboration with these players. Like, how do you guard this? How do you... So for me, I learned so much. I had so much fun. I think they respected that approach. Um, you know, and I've stayed in contact with a lot of these guys, like Julian Gamble, who's one of the best mm -hmm. players in TBT. You know, I got a chance to work with him and, you know, he's zooming with our players over COVID. And, you know, so it was some amazing relationships built from it. I learned a lot. It was really well run. Um, and, you know, you've seen it grow and it was, um, but it was really neat to kind of just be part of that and, and make a couple runs. You know, we went to the Elite Eight twice and, you know, I'm still... You know, you, you you get so close to that a million or two million, whatever it was at the time, and you know that that when you lose, you're like, oh man, that was that was tough. But then you look back at it and reflect, and you know just how valuable of experiences those were, and um, you know, thankful for for that for that time. I lied. I got one more thing. I obviously have to talk to you about. You are a Wizards fan. A lot of people listening to this also Wizards fans. Uh, you mentioned interning for the Wizards and Ernie Grunfeld. I guess maybe let's start with that experience. What was that like to be a part of an organization that, you know, you, you grew up watching? Yeah, it was super cool. It was an interesting time. Like I, I remember like Gilbert Arenas was a big part of that team, Antoine Jameson. And it was kind of a slow time to be doing an internship, but you know, I, I got to watch some video on international players. I got to, you know, get to meet Ernie. I got to go to the facility every day and, and, and see the operation from the top. And, um, you know, I really um, enjoyed my, uh, month and a half there and um, learned a lot. You know, it was, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot going on. The guys weren't really there except for a couple of them, but, you know, just to walk across the gym and see those guys working out and, um, you know, see how it is done. Like I saw the board, I saw, you know, guys that they were evaluating cool. and looking at. And, um, you know, I, as a fan, that was really, really neat. And, um, you know, you named it. I mean, I was a, I was a season ticket holder growing up. I would, I was a Bullets fan, you know, I, you know, and I get to coach against guys like Rod Strickland, who, you know, I grew up, that was my guy. Like I watched him play the point guard position and, um, you know, just love those teams. And, um, you know, I, I got, I'm sure my names of the guys that I really loved are, you know, I, I love Chris Whitney. I, you know, I, I can go back and, you know, I, I, George Mirasan was a teammate of mine in men's leagues and oh, cool. you know, I met George is fun to see him, but, you know, just have such fond memories of watching the Wizards. It always ended in heartbreak, obviously, and frustration usually, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it is, um, 
you know, it's been, we've, we've actually had the wizards come through our gym a few times and evaluate, you know, our guys. And, you know, we do appreciate any time they come through. That's awesome. Uh, what do you think about the rebuild? Are you happy with the new direction here and, and any, uh, suggestions or tips for them or anything, uh, from, from coach to team? Yeah, I got, I got Mount St. Mary's to worry about. So I don't know all the details of sure. where the wizards are at right now, but I, I do know that, um, you know, excited for new management and looking forward to seeing what they build. And, you know, uh, you know, I know there's some good young pieces in there now and, you know, I, I'm, and like most fans, pretty impatient. So hopefully we can see some growth here in, in year one of this build and, and land a couple really good players and free agency and, and good young core and, and, and build it that way. And, and hopefully we can have a nice run. And, um, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm like you, you know, I, I want to see this championship sometime in DC and, nice. you know, no reason why we shouldn't, you know, we're in, we're in a great basketball spot and, you know, the, the, the wizards fans will come out and support and, you know, when the, when the product matches. So looking forward to seeing what they build. Very cool. Uh, probably the most important question I'll ask you all day. If people want more information on Mount St. Mary's, how to get to a game, how to get tickets, all that good stuff, where can they go to find that? Yeah. Mountathletics.com has our website, has our schedule on there. Um, you just scroll on the basketball section and, um, we really hope that, you know, we want to build this up. We got some exciting things that are happening from a institutional standpoint. We got brand new locker room, film room. There's doing brand new facility, um, being built this next year. The, the Rooney projects happening. And, um, so there's just a lot of momentum happening here and we'd love to keep getting fans from the DMV, getting fans from Frederick here. Um, because people that haven't been here before, we get a couple thousand every game. It's a really unique mid-major basketball setting. And the more people that we can get in here, the, the more exciting the atmosphere is. And, and we want to keep building it up. I have not been to a game. I will admit that. I plan to do that and remedy that this season. I'm about an hour south of you guys. It's closer than I realized. So I'm, I'm looking forward to checking that out in person. And I hope everybody else listening to this will do the same. And uh, it's just cool to support all, you know, all the really good programs in the area. And I think there's a lot of teams like you guys that are on the way up. So I think this is a cool time to, to get in early and, and get in on the bandwagon here. Matt, thanks so much, man. This was awesome being on with you today. And you got some tickets if you need them, man. Just let me know. You got it. All right. <laughs> Will do. Appreciate you. All right, everybody. Uh, that's Dana Engelstad, the head coach at Mount St. Mary's. Hope you appreciated it. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, and we were presented by betonline.ag. And we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube